Welcome to the Art of Faith at Granite Creek Studios. Today's topic, Pastor Joel and I are going to be discussing the art of preaching. I think we could probably talk for countless hours yeah. on this very one topic. Uh, Joel, you came up with this great idea about the art of preaching, and there is an art to preaching. And there is. And it's ever-changing. Mm-hmm. And probably deeper and more complex than most people think. Yeah, so it, it, it really is. And uh, one of the, one of the reasons why this is near and dear to me is that one of the things there is the assumption when you go into the ministry, um, there are there are many things you have to do as a pastor. Yeah, and you have to be skilled at them. And one of those things is you have to preach. That. You have right. to. You have to be on. Have to be on every Sunday. You have to be on. Yeah. You have to prepare a major address. Yeah. Every week. I don't know where I got this. I don't know if I came up with it myself, but it's like you're only as good as your last sermon, dude. Did you come up with that? No, but Which, it's true. It's true, isn't it's it? It's true. Because I, I could, I could knock it out of the park one Sunday. Right. And then step into the box and stink up the joint. Yeah, and that's all they remember, right? That's all they'll remember. And then, yeah, then they think that they remember the, a couple of weeks ago yeah. when I when you know Holy Spirit fell on us nah, and no, nah, that. that was gone. You just you just you just ripped your britches right? this, <laughs> this time. I remember uh, I remember uh, years ago when I first started out in ministry, I got done preaching and you know, I was an insecure young pastor at the time and and I, you know, I looked over at my wife as we were coming home from church, and I said, "So what'd you think?" I'll never forget these words, oh, no. most humbling words. She said, "Pretty weak, buddy." Oh my gosh, <laughs> wives, wives are the worst. <laughs> Pretty weak, buddy. They just tell you exactly, exactly. It's the worst. And I said, "She said that wasn't what you wanted to hear, was yeah. it?" No. She just said, "I heard you do better," and I get that too. Like that wasn't your best. Yeah. All right. Yeah, wives, man. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. You know, I, you said the insecure pastor thing. I think everybody starts off a little insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, at my age, like I'm not insecure anymore. I really don't care what people think. I mean, that sounds like an insensitive thing because I do care. I mean, it, it is important what people think. It is important how they react to the message. But my worth and my in my it's it's not the fuel that drives nah, you. No, it's not. It's it yeah. really isn't. And yeah. it probably was in the beginning. But now it's just like, all right, I've got something to say. We talked about shepherding being, you know, you know the people mm-hmm. are the sheep, they're also the disciples. And so Yeah. I I just you know, I want to do the best for the Lord and I do want to do the best for the people. Right. But that insecurity thing, I just don't have it anymore. I remember and I think I know that I don't have it anymore because um, in the COVID season, there's been ups and downs. You can't, and you could be preaching to ten people, right? Yeah, and you, you, just, and but you, but you got to deliver. Yeah, like yeah. you've you've got to deliver, like you got Billy Graham yeah. crowds. You know, and I, I kind of realized that, like, so a few weeks ago, you know, with COVID and the winds, like we had hardly anybody in the auditorium. Like it was, it was pretty low. Yeah. And there was a parishioner that was insecure about our attendance. And it's like, Pastor Josh, aren't you worried about there's nobody here? And I'm like, 
you know, actually I didn't think about it until you just brought it up. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so thanks for bringing it up. But it was um, like, no, like I don't, I don't really care if the place is packed out or not. And I think the Lord kind of worked with me on that in that, oh, you've got five people that you can spend extra time with now, mm-hmm. now that the, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have a crowd. Yeah. So I'm I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. You know, and well, I mean, you know, these things are beyond our control at the moment. You can't. I yeah. I I didn't have church. Yeah. 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 I, the, the wind storm. You didn't have anything, did you? We didn't have anything. We didn't have. We, we didn't, didn't have, have power. Power. We didn't have nothing. Did you so. see our big old tree that came down. Yeah, I did. <sighs> yeah. Um. So. So the question about preaching is, and so we got this: the these people who respond, these men or women who respond yep. to the call of ministry and are set apart and ordained and step into churches. And one of the things they're expected to do is is they're expected to preach every Sunday. Yeah. And whether they can or not. Right. That's true. Whether they're a gifted preacher, yeah. gifted speaker, or not. They still have to do that. Yeah. So there is a there is an art form. Yeah, absolutely. And we've kind of hit on this too. Um, I, I went to a <coughs> excuse me. I went to a, a Christian college. Yes. A very expensive Christian college. Yes. And I'm still paying for. Them. Um. They didn't teach us how to preach. And no homiletics. Yeah. No nothing. Uh, no even not not even any public speaking class or rhetoric. Wow. Uh, and I know you went to seminary. You went to Fuller, right? Did they teach you how to preach? No, there? I went to I, I, I went to Eastern. <coughs> oh, okay. Um, Eastern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is now Palmer. Why did I think you went to Fuller? Because my brother went to Fuller. Okay. Yeah, he was a Fuller grad. So did they teach you how to speak? Yeah, we had no. Yeah, we had we had all that. Classes, and huh? but I, what I, what I learned about preaching, I didn't learn from them. I learned from the people I'm going to talk about. All right, but um, but so I have a question for you though. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether we like it or not, we step into the pulpit is a place of authority, whether we like it or not. Right, for sure. Um, what does that mean to to you to preach an authority? Well, it's, frankly, it's like a scary proposition. Thank you. I think I kind of figured that out right out of the gate, too. Um, remember when I first started, yeah, well, I first started teaching. First, I started teaching Sunday school mm-hmm. with little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, did the youth group stuff did uh, associate pastor stuff, did all the Wednesday night teaching classes, and then they stuck me in the pulpit one day at a different game. Mm-hmm. Like, different feeling, different heaviness. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... It's not psychological. Like, there's something to that pulpit. There's mm-hmm. something to it. There's a spiritual... Whatever you happen to call that pulpit. Yeah, there's a spiritual weight to it. Mm-hmm. And it's unique. Mm-hmm. You you feel Elijah's mantle yeah. fall on you. Yeah, and it's scary. Yeah. And it's not to be taken lightly. No. So that's the that's the authority. And 
I know that you know this, but you start bringing your own stuff into the pulpit and then you get corrected or rebuked or the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you later. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that that's been my experience. Like if it's always if it's a little too you know, if it's a little too gamey or oh, it just you just the Lord always says, "No, you need to you need to take this serious. It's yeah. not about you, it's about me." Yeah. And that happens that happens often. Yeah. And that just has to be a submitted thing. I've seen, and I know you've seen this too. I've seen unsubmitted leaders preach. Mm-hmm. And if they're under a specific anointing, um, if they're not submitted, things can go wrong in their life. It's in where I come from in the in the Baptist. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there are those who are strong, strong in their theology, very strong in their theology, um, and there, and then there are those who are very charismatic and very great communicators. Yeah. Um, and so, those who operate from the spirit, and then those who operate from the head. Right. Okay. And I. I heard this quote from my father, who, who, um, who, his seminary professor, Dr. Cubby Rutenberg, said to him, said, um, "Theology without the Spirit is dry bones. Yeah. The Spirit without theology is a bag of tricks. Yeah, uh, that is such. And a, we've seen bag we've, of tricks. Yeah, and that is such a great tension." dichotomy, oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, again, without the spirit, it gets so heady and exactly. or legalistic or ex- historical. Ex- exactly. And, it, and it, it's just, it's just religion, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's, but it's, the, but the same time, if you're not grounded, right. Then it's, uh, so, we like to call it the soulish power. Soulish. Soulish power. So from a charismatic standpoint, meaning that, you know, we're all about the spirit, right? We, we need to, you know, activate and engage the spirit, which is which is acceptable. Absolutely. But if I no am question. if I am not in the word of God, if I'm not preaching from the word of God, if I'm preaching agenda or if I'm preaching emotion, right? That's soulish power. Yes. So if I'm using the oratory skills of rhetoric or of you know hyping up a crowd, then I'm 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 touching their emotions. I'm not touching their spirit. Yes. And people don't nor necessarily know the difference between the two. And, and yeah, and there you can and you can also tell. See, one of the things that is attractive to me about preachers, and well, first of all, about about Christians in general and pastors in general, and I made this statement before. As a rule, I don't like hanging out with pastors. <laughs> right. You know. Right. Um, I need them to be. I need them to be real. If you're speaking yeah. to me, I need you to be real, and yep. I need. I need that as as a pastor. I need that. I. 
I have talked to countless, and it's a turnoff to me, countless pastors and preachers. I'm talking to them, having a good time. And then they get into the pulpit. And now I want you to turn into John. Yeah. And they start having this affectedness. Yeah. And, um, and it's hard for me to listen to, they can be saying the most biblical right on truth, but if, if I'm distracted by their human affectedness, yeah. Mm, yeah, it's tough I'm missing the point. Yeah. All right, so what we've done for this podcast is that we're going to cover, each of us are going to cover three different preachers mm -hmm. that, that have, influenced, that have us. influenced us and inspired us in some way. Mm -hmm. um, we could easily go... We go forever. forever I, we could. This. We have uh, five, yeah. six, ten. For sure. So I only have three. All right, Joel. Why don't you go first? Okay. So my criteria for this is. Um, if, we, if we start with you, Josh will be the last person. That's good. He's probably great. Well, his last person will be last. Because I thought you said you wanted to finish on my dad. No, I just want my dad to be for me oh, my okay. last person. All right, so then, yeah. No, I don't have to have. No, nah, no, my ego's out of this one. <laughs> So, um, okay, so my criteria for the ones I chose are the, these, these are from the last century, <laughs> none. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you have any from the 20th no, century? Nobody, <laughs> nobody in, in this century, and um, I'm trying to figure that out too, and I don't know why it is I have not responded um, to, to preaching or pre preachers in, in this, uh, in this century, because, um, it's not how I was raised. It's it's not what influenced me. I'm I'm not. It's great, but I'm not a big fan of of the Calvary Chapel style of preaching. I'm not a big fan of it. That's just me. Yeah. Some people like broccoli. I don't like broccoli, and that's just the way it is. So um, so these these three people that I have picked are people that. Um, also, in case you didn't know, pastors are the biggest thieves in the whole wide world. Oh, yeah. We steal from each other yeah, all the time. Absolutely, and it's completely legal in the kingdom. It is, and I and the these people are the people I have stolen from. Yep. Yeah, yeah, likewise. And and they have in and these are the people I think about, and uh, and their sermons. I first became acquainted with my first guy in 1976. When um, somehow in our house, a cassette tape of a sermon called "Why Not Be an Eagle" hmm. came to me, and I happened to really like eagles at the time, Re and I still do. I think they're awesome. And it was by a, and I didn't know this at the time, but I've done research. It was um, a Canadian Pentecostal pastor, oh, no Ern Baxter. Okay. And um, and the way he spoke in the sermon, why not be an eagle? It he he preached for a long time. He took his point was that eagles are the king of birds, yeah. and he talked about what it meant as a Christian to live like an eagle, an eagle Christian, and. Um, he made points like, eagles fly high. He says, why do they fly high? 
because they love the sun. You know, yeah. ego Christians fly high because they love the sun, S-O-N. Yeah, that's good. And that's it. And so he com- did a lot of comparison. I remember one particular thing. And, and you're going to hear his. You're going to hear how he preaches in just a minute because he preaches in a very classic way. But it's not affected. For some reason, I'm not turned off by it. it. But he just uses great words and and stuff. But he made a point. He says, um, when 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 eagles when eagles are in a cage, when eagles are set free, the most magnificent sight you'll ever see. Mm. You put an eagle in the cage, They're and they'll miserable. mess their nest every time. Uh. You bind, you bind a Christian with rules and regulations. Right. They're going to mess their nest. Right. But you set them free in the name of the Lord, and they're going to win the world. Huh. That meant so much to me. Yeah, yeah. And it meant, and, and I was just then beginning my training as a, as a pastor. And it just then, that sent in my heart, it said, I want to do that. I want to set people free. And how can I do that? So this this sermon was uh, wonderful. He's he's been dead now. Um, so what you're going to hear is you're going to hear the um, uh, just a little clip of his introduction into um, why not be an eagle. And in this particular one, he is he is describing the different types of eagle during Bible times, who were the golden eagle and the imperial eagle. Ah. And he is, and in one sense, he's encouraging the regal regality of Christians. Too long have we Christians thought that we were supposed to be self-effacing, withdrawn milk toasts. We were not supposed to assert the glory of God. We were not supposed to walk with our heads high. We were not supposed to be what we're supposed to be. Kings reigning with him even now in life, masters of our passions and our appetites, masters of sin. Masters of satanic, insidious attempt to invade our territory, beating them off with royal flourishes, not condescending to scuffle with them in the dust, but bidding them to be gone in the name of Jesus, rising to walk with dignity as those who are kings and reign in life by one Christ Jesus. That's really good. See, so that, I, I just... Yeah, so it's Pentecostal, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, I, I didn't care. Yeah. I thought, I thought everybody should hear this sermon, and I think I lost the tape because I kept passing it around to people. It wore it out. You can find him on YouTube, Yeah, by the I'll way. definitely look him up. I should know him, I mean. Yeah, he, he, it, it, it's, it's, but that's, that his how he spoke is yeah. he spoke in authority. That yeah, that's that's what you can definitely hear is his groundedness mm-hmm. and his confidence, and that is all from the Lord. Mm-mm-mm. No, he 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 is speaking. He knows who he is. Yeah, and it's like he's been there. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. So, what else do you know about this man? I know that um, he he had a initial. Um, he was initially uh, brought up in a Presbyterian mm-hmm. um, uh, background. His uh, mom, mother 
uh, came out of the holiness movement okay. in Canada. Yeah. And um, and then he and then his father eventually uh, was uh, became a Christian, was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then there was a time when he rebelled from that because mm. the religion was um, because it was too religious and it, and there were rules and regulations and he didn't understand them and he didn't get right. them. And so he, as a youth, he rebelled from that. And then he, um, and then he connected with, I forget his name, William Barnum Branham. Oh, he did. Yeah, he connected right. with Branham, but eventually walked away. Probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> so, he walked away, and yeah. he, and and he. I think he mentions this in the sermon that I heard, and um, he said they were making me be something I wasn't intended to be, and so I had to walk away, and I walked away with tears in my eyes uh, from a place that I loved, and I heard God's voice say to me, you walk in my ways, and I will give you ways to walk in. And I thought... Yeah, that's... Yeah. So that's that's where that's he comes a, that's from. That's a good one. I have a holiness one, too. I think it's going to be my last one. Okay. I have a holiness preacher. It's a good way. We sounds, begin... We start... Yeah, it sounds a lot like that one. Start with Ern Baxter, okay. and, and I like that. That's cool. All right, so mine is... My first one is John Wimber. So he's actually plays a big part in, um, well, it's, we're a non-denomination church, but we're our connections go back to early Vineyard. Mm -hmm. So, and at one time we were a Vineyard church, Vineyard of Ontario. And so that's like, that's our DNA. Like if you were to strip us down, that's what we would boil down to would be a vineyard church. I, I, I have a great, great love for vineyard. Yeah. So early vineyard. I'm actually doing a series right now. On, it's called The Biography of the Saints. Mm -hmm. So that's that, talking about the art of preaching. That's kind of how I... Uh, that's my rhythm mm -hmm. for the year. I'll do a biography of an individual, either biblical or non-biblical, talk about you know their life, their connection with God, or then I'll do a book of the Bible or then I'll do a topic. So those mm -hmm. are my three things that I'll do. So okay. now I'm on a biography. I think it's so neat. I'm doing a biography of the saints. Okay. And so each Sunday I'm doing a different saint, and they just have to be dead. <laughs> so that's that's. And yeah. my, my intention is to get people connected with real life leaders who were at one time a normal person. Mm -hmm. And John Wimber was a normal person. He was a he he describes himself as being a pagan before he was saved. Uh, he was living the Southern California life. Uh, many people don't know that he was uh, the promoter or ranger for the Righteous Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he worked with the Righteous Brothers. Uh, he arranged "Twist and Shout" for the Beatles. Um, so yeah. he kind of has that, you know, that worldly secular. Influence, and I guess you could say that God used that mm -hmm. um, in, in His ministry because He did bring a lot of that in. And of course, vineyard mu uh, music in the early days is what launched us into, whether you like it or not, contemporary Christian music. There Absolutely. would be no contemporary Christian Absolutely. music if there was no. Well, there would be, but John Wimber, he's the one that fathered that whole thing in, and so. Yeah, he, he plays an important part. Um, he was an alcoholic. Uh, he smoked five packs of cigarettes a day. 
before he was saved. And then he just had this radical conversion into, believe it or not, of all things, uh, a Quaker. So he was a Quaker pastor. In that area, yes. Yeah, in that area. And then uh, just kind of started reading the Bible and like missing some connecting points Mm -hmm. in his scripture reading and his everyday practical life. So this clip will kind of explain his process. And so let's listen to his sermon on the stuff. We do believe in so little reality in our daily lives that we continually try to reconstruct our, our Christianity through methodology, principles, and programs, and that is not enough for you and I to sustain. Many of us have for years tried to discipline ourselves into some sort of Christian reality. We've tried harder, we've read more, we've studied more, we've witnessed more, we've fasted, we've prayed, we've uh, gone to church more, we've committed more, and still not experienced the very thing that we joined up for. When I first came uh, to Christ, I came to Christ vis-a-vis a Bible study in which Jesus Christ was presented to me not only as a, as a historical personage and as the living Christ today, but as the person by, through whom and by whom I was to receive life and operate from that day forward. I came to Christ mountain style, no holds barred, uh, uh, everything uh, given to him at one time. I knew that if I came to Christ, it was the end of me and the beginning of him. That's the way it was presented. I was to come to Jesus and to walk with him. Over the weeks and months that I studied the New Testament, I studied it with an understanding that coming to Jesus meant coming, going, giving away all that I'd ever was, all that I ever hoped to be, and coming to Jesus in totality and following him for the rest of my life. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. Did you like that one? Huh? How about it? Did you like that? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, hmm, you know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, come forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There are not many guys doing that come forth thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I liked all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? Now, this is how stupid I was. I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and then everybody went out and healed a few and cast out a few demons and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know, the deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? 
He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. <laughs> now that's pathetic. <laughs> Isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it. We sang about it. We preached about it. We prayed over it. We gave to it, but we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. <laughs> Didn't he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book. And acting on it. So very natural, very conversational. Right, right. Uh, real. Real, no religious language, hardly at all. Yeah. In uh, contrast yeah. to, you know, my guy. Yeah. Come, come away. But still. In authority. Yeah, still in authority. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, now he, he passed, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, couple, so, about 10 years ago. Yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. And uh, yeah, but he left a huge legacy. And his early sermons were much better than his later sermons. Um, you know, this one was obviously a good one. You know, he's, you know, and you hear him connecting with the audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there was something just very dynamic about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, very simple message, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, very dynamic. Yeah. And he was able to attract a lot of pastors around him, including my father. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't get enough. They would just sit for hours and hours and just listen. That's awesome. And, yeah. You know, and I, there are, there are these there are these transformative personalities mm -hmm. in in church history john wimber being one of them yeah. chuck smith yeah being yeah. one of them yeah um bill hybels being one of them yeah for sure i uh, you know i i i had the privilege when i was in college in in illinois to watch the birth of willow creek really yeah and i you know we i was a senior in in uh, senior in college and and Willow Creek was starting in in Barrington. And did you go to the movie theater? I went to the movie theater. Did you really? Yeah, I sat. I can tell you where I sat. Wow. In the movie theater, probably for about three or four times. Huh. I mean, yeah, I went. Well, we went. Well, no, there's a whole bunch of us from school going to go to see and experience Willow Creek, experience church in the future. And I so I, I admire I admire people like John Wimber and yeah. Chuck. Right and and Bill Hybels, who transformed the church yeah. in a very positive way, and and they're all from their experience, and it's all about 
connecting, making a real connection with who Jesus is. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. One of the points, since we're talking about authority, one of the points that John was, I almost showed this clip. It's funny that you brought up authority because I was going to go between, you know, doing the stuff and another mm-hmm. message sheet he has on authority. Um, but I wanted to do doing the stuff. Yeah. It's just, this is good. It's just it's like, wow, it's, like, it's so practical. Yeah. But his other message on power and authority is really important too. It's been mm-hmm. very important for me to listen to in mm-hmm. that. He uses an illustration. I mean, your guy used the eagle illustration. Mm-hmm. I mean, illustration is our tool bag, right? We've is our tool. It's bag. our tool bag. We're always coming up with some bright illustration, yeah. whether it's personal or yeah. know, literary or film or whatever. We're coming up with some type of an illustration to connect the points. Yes. Uh, his illustration for power and authority was the gun. And the badge. That's him. I quote him all the time. You do, yeah. Well, I mean, he probably ripped it off from somebody else, but I, I didn't know I was doing it. But so I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm serious. I thought I made it up at the time. <laughs> I, I did, but I'm yeah. glad I didn't because what now it confirms that yeah. God has put that imagery in all of us. Yeah. So by the did... authority of the name of Jesus Christ and the power of His blood. Power, yeah. So, and you have to have both. It's kind of like that that balance that we talked about earlier. Yes. So you can have, you know, dunamis power, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the authority to deliver the message, it's so destructive. And likewise, you can have a badge, you could have the authority, but if you don't have the power to back it up, up, you're going to get stomped on. Yeah. You know, you're going to get robbed. Right. You're going to get shot. Yeah. And so you got to have you have to have power and you have to have authority. And that's why people listen to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> you can't have one without the other or else you'll be unhealthy. Yeah. So All right, what's your next one? My next one, um this began um and it was it was early it was probably in the later latter part of my my first stint in ministry. Um, before I um, before I had to step away, and my my um, my father and my brother and I all went to St. Louis to a preaching conference, mm-hmm. um, sponsored by uh, the Third Baptist Church of St. Louis, but it was sponsored by American Baptists, but other Baptist denominations as well. And um, I'll never forget sitting sitting with my brother. And um, same with my brother, my dad, and my best friend, uh, who is now in heaven, Martin. Um, we were all there. And the, one of the speakers was Dr. James Forbes. He is renowned um, for, being, uh, for pastoring the Riverside Church in New York ah. for years. And okay. he was there. I think he's still pastor emeritus there. I think he's still alive. And he, he, he's very well known in the African-American community. Okay. And has a very strong voice for social justice. And, and is listened to. Got it. And he stood in this pulpit. And he tells this, he starts, the, he said, he starts the sermon by telling the story of a pastoral candidate sitting before 
a, de- a board of deacons in the church, and they were asking him questions. And he said, and there was an old gentleman in the back who asked this candidate this question. Sir, do you know the Lord? And, you know, when, and he says, and I'm asking you this. Do you know the Lord? Well, you could say, of course we do. We're yeah. pastors. We do this. And he, and but then he went, what he used for his text, so the sermon was entitled, Do You Know the Lord? And he used as his text the story of Samuel as a child and the voice of the God voice coming of God. to yeah. him. Yeah. And he said, and Samuel did not know the Lord. Hmm. He, it said in Scripture, he did not, know, did not yet know the Lord. Okay, interesting. And he was raised. Yeah. He in the looked, temple. He was raised dead. Yeah. He looked like uh, one who knew the Lord. He did the things that you would think people would do who knew the Lord, but he did not know the Lord. Mm. And how in as he went through his sermon, he the passion came up. Yeah. And asked the question. And so when he finally got to the end of the scripture, I'll, I'll never forget this picture. And I remember, I remember chills going up and down my spine when he said that. And, and he's pretty formal, and, he was, and, he was, and he's really careful with his words. But in the last part, he, when he's emphasizing, do you know the Lord and how well you know the Lord? In this particular church, there was this big pulpit, and he, and he leaned over the pulpit, Mm. And he said, and he did this, he says, God does not want to pet with you. God doesn't want an insignificant relationship with you. And the room went silent. Mm. And he he stayed over that. Mm. And just, and in one sense, I almost, I almost turned away. Because I was looking at something, I had the feeling that he was having an intimate moment with God. Mm. And it's something that I shouldn't see because it was so precious and beautiful. And he he held that like that Mm. and even moved his hands. Mm. Interesting. and, And so his voice, well, first of all, was very well prepared. Right. But his voice and his actions and everything that he did was appropriate. Yeah. It pushed it yeah. pushed the outside of the boundaries. It pushed the outside of the envelope. Yeah. And I I, I kinda whenever I'm trying to help somebody speak or preach, um, you know, whether it's our associates, youth pastor or whatever, they all come prepared, right? Like they're taking it very seriously. And I have to tell them, this is really great material. You've done your homework. But it's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you have to communicate the gospel. Your body, your presence, mm-hmm. your spirit it has, to, it has to highlight it. Uh, your points will go right over their head, even though they're theologically correct. Yeah. 
absolutely how you present it is more important than what you present yeah he 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 demonstrated for me at that moment and he has i've i've listened to i've listened to several of his sermons and another one that was impactful to me he wrote a, a, a uh, it was a sermon called Hannah Rose, and it's um, it's about Samuel's mother yeah. crying out, mm-hmm. and and he named it that because because at one point and Hannah rose um, and went to the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the action. The thing that about this one that just about that particular one that had impacted me is he he said. Hannah's name is one of those names known as a panadrome, spelled the same way. He says, Samuel came at the right time, and he answered the prayer at the right time because Eli had miserable sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And he says, and Hannah Hannah had an agenda, and God had an agenda, and Hannah's name can mean a human agenda and need uh, coming together with a need, with the need and agenda of heaven. That's good. And I thought, well, that, you know, in one sense, that was a teaching to me to trust in the timing of God because something was going on and something needed to be ready for you and I to step into that. Yeah. And, you know, and so I steal him all the time. That's great. And you can, you can hear, he, um, Forbes you can see on YouTube. Okay, I'll look him up. And, um, and, and, you, and you can see how he is. And I got to meet him personally. And it, Did he, you? He is a great, he's, yeah. he's so good. And I reminded him of, of, of Do You Know the Lord? Yeah. And he, he said, oh, that's a good one. That's one of my favorites. That's awesome. <laughs> he was just so sweet. Just so sweet about it. Mm. Yeah. So is, do you have canned sermons? Do you preach the same sermon again? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I have favorites. You do? Oh, I, d- listen, I, ha- I have dogs that hunt. Yeah, yeah. And they gotcha. hunt all the time. I gotcha. Don't you? I don't. You don't? I've never preached the same message twice. You you never have? I, I use the same stories. Yeah. Illustrations. Yeah. Um, so if right now, outlines. if I asked you, if I asked you to preach at my church, y- you won't, you won't um, pluck out a oldie but a goodie. No. No. Now I feel guilty. I don't feel guilty. It's just the how I just, do. It's just how I was raised, or I don't know if it's how I was raised, but I, I think it's part of my creative process. I got to yeah. work it through. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying I'm not gonna steal an old story. Oh, or, I, like so. Yeah, I'll do that for sure. But I'm like, uh, put it this way: yeah. if you ask me, do you have? Um, okay, when I say when you because you put it this way, you say, yeah. do you have canned sermons? I want to say, no. Yeah, I have fresh sermons. Because I want, but I have, there's a sermon that I can preach, but I yeah. won't, it won't be the same way. Yeah. That's true. Okay, so in contrast. Yeah. All right, I'm not going to use his name, but we talked about this 
favorite preacher that we're not he didn't make the cut for yes. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had him at yeah. chapel at Westmont several yeah. times. And we can say the name. Well, I don't have this is kind of a this is a little criti- critical. So okay, I, get, I, I won't wanna, say the name. I don't want to get critical on this individual cuz he they're very important to but, the kingdom. Yes. Yes. But I remember my freshman year and my senior year like he gave the same exact message. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, he you could probably hear the same message on YouTube because he's you know he's he's on the circuit right he's mm-hmm. preaching so he's preaching the same message over mm-hmm. and over again, and it's probably be getting better and better each time. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. Yeah. Okay. So that's just that's probably my charismatic part coming out. And I, well, I think it's I think it's great. I I have a I have a sermon um, that I pull out. The title is called "What Happens in Between." Mm-hmm. And the theological, the the theology of it is, if it, if it still fits a situation, it fits. Yeah. And 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 so, here is, you know, so some people viewing this will probably say, so, what's, how about us as pastors? Here's something I do. Every Sunday, and I preach it every Sunday, and I'm. And I not preach it every Sunday. I pray it every Sunday before I preach, and that's it's Lord, get me out of the way. Yeah, I'm I'm very similar. I that yeah. has yeah. I I am petrified. Yeah, walking in there under my own power. Yeah, I'm 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 the same way. I'm either praying it uh, the night before or when I'm up there. I, I pray. I do two things. Uh, one is like give me a heart for the people. Mm-hmm. Wow. So. That's one that I'm always doing. Like I need to love them like you do. That might not be my experience, but I need to give me that's the heart. That's what you want. That's what I want. Like I need to have my my heart. Boy, that ministers to, to me. Yeah, and that's. Oh, I'll tell you the story some other time. Okay. But yeah, that it has to be to like I God. I have to love them like you do. Like even though they're probably driving me crazy. Like I want to, mm-hmm. you know. So that's so I start. That's one thing that I pray. And then the other is very similar. It, it's not get me out of the way. It's help me to highlight Jesus on the pulpit standing next mm-hmm. to me. I got that from Schuler. So that's the, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they, you know, in that class, they're like, it's your job. You know, Jesus is standing next to you. He's invisible. They can't see him. And in mm-hmm. your message, you need to make sure that they do by the time you're done. Yeah. And so I always, I always imagine Jesus standing next to me, and it's like, okay, now it's time to highlight it, illustrate him, so that they can see him standing next to me by the time I'm done. So that's, but that's the whole getting myself out of the way, and this is all about Jesus, not about me, and that's, that's one thing that I do. Yeah. Okay, so my next guy. So again, I grew up on Vineyard, Charismania, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and 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 I say that because it did get manic, it did get out of control at one time, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you know if you read the news, you saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, and although it's so like you know John's teaching, the Vineyard's teaching, my dad's teaching, so impactful to my foundation. Um, coming out of that, it may, maybe even disillusioned. Uh, I latched on to a Presbyterian preacher and learned. 
it's not fair to say that it's deeper, right? I hate when people say that. And it's not fair to say that, you know, what Vineyard and what John was teaching was, you know, milk, and now we're getting into the meat. I, I hate that. Like, that's not, it's just different. It was, it was just a different expression. In college, I'm like, I need to experience everything. Like, so I went to all kinds of different denominations. Mm-hmm. Uh, my roommate was a Presbyterian. He and he just kind of introduced me to the Presbyterian ethos, that very special sweet spirit that they have that I don't think most did not, maybe Baptist, but it just, there was something sweet about Presbyterians <laughs> and very serious at the same time. There's, um, I, there is a, and I feel this way about Lutherans, yeah. the same way. It's, it's a grounding and, um, it's like walking into a, an old home. Right. That's that's a really good way to... to, to a nice yeah. old home that's yeah. been around for a while mm-hmm. and taken care of. Yeah. My, my roommate took me to his church, and um, and then we went on a Sunday. I'm like, what's up with this communion? Why are we all standing in line for... I mean, it was just bizarre. Like, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing was just foreign to me. But I'm like, you know, I'm experimenting. I'm eating it all up. And later in the week, we went into the office, and I was like, oh, hello, the Holy Spirit's here. Mm-hmm. And it just that, that, that peace that was in the atmosphere mm-hmm. in that building that I, I just sensed immediately. So I, I love the way you described it as sweet. Yeah, they're very sweet, but they're also very serious. Mm-hmm. And you know, Presbyterians have this reputation for being smart, and that's kind of why I think I I, I kind of delved into Tim Keller. So, and I steal from Tim Keller all the time. So, let's listen to one of his bits. Oh, good. Do you like Tim Keller? Yeah. All right. Neat. I'm actually starting. It's it's starting to actually become real. It's starting to convict me. It's starting to feed me. Now, here we are in the realm of St. Augustine, and St. Augustine would say the mark of a truly born again, a truly uh, regenerated Christian, was the loves of your heart are being reordered, which what means is it's one thing to say, oh, I believe that God loves me, and it's just up here, that's all. Meanwhile, the main thing that's driving you is to get this person's love, this man or this woman, or the main thing that's driving you is to have a successful career to have everyone love you because you've got status and money. And no matter what you try, you say, I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a Christian. I go to church and I believe God loves me. But the, but the love of fame and accolades, the, the love of romance and maybe sex is much more real to you than God's love. God's love is in the, on, in the abstract. God's love's in the abstract. Or another way to put it is, have you ever tried to watch something on a screen and it listened to something at the same time. Whatever's up there on the screen always wins, you know. And what happens is career and maybe something else in your life, something in your life is on video. And until the new birth, even if you go to church, God's love and his holiness and just God is on audio. And you say, oh, of course, I've always believed that. Then the lights come on. Or maybe you say the sound comes on. And suddenly God goes on video. And when God's love in Christ 
becomes more real to your heart than the fame and status that you get in a career, or even more real to your heart than your family's love, your loves get reordered. It, it creates changes. Good stuff, huh? Good stuff. There's nothing he had to do or there's nothing he had to affect. He just said it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I love about color because mm-hmm. it's very, you're right, there is no effect. He's very calm. He's very straight. Mm-hmm. Um, he, 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 you do know that he's excited about his topic. Mm-hmm. But it's not, he's not screaming at you. Nope. He's not pointing the finger. Nope. Um, he's not working you up emotionally. I will say this. I have gone back. I've listened to some of his early, early sermons too. Mm-hmm. And they're good. They're not that good. Mm-hmm. So you know that he, like over time, like, uh, like all of us, mm-hmm. he has perfected his craft. Mm-hmm. He's even perfected his voice. Like you can sit here and listen to him. He's got oh, yeah. uh, his voice is like silk, right? It's oh, just, yeah. it's a oh, great. Oh, it's lovely. Voice. I mean, yeah. and, you know, and his older stuff is like he's he's speaking through his nose. It's all nasally. It's really hard to listen to, and so you know that he uh, maybe his wife got a hold of him and said, "Tim, you need to you need to go to a voice coach or something." But it's yeah, and then when I. And you don't you don't hear it in this clip, but what I do appreciate about his messages is that you do get those those three points. I mean, he's having you write stuff down, like you're take you're taking notes, and it's very clear, and you know you know what to expect, and but I love it. The, at and times. The, yeah, and the thing is, is that if the thing about the it's okay to have the three points. Yeah, I yeah. I always have that in my notes, and I have it on a you know, yeah. and I have it as a skeleton. You know, but it's, it, but you don't know it. They're coming. Yeah. But you don't know it. Uh, my wife, Sue, <laughs> very, and I have some, I have some of my old sermons when before BF, before the fall, <laughs> BTF. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And uh, uh, before I was out of ministry. And she listens to those, and she says, "I don't know who you are." Oh, they're that bad. It's just <laughs> it's just not me. Yeah. She says you're a different person than who you are right now. And she says, "Who you are now?" She says, "This is the one I want to listen to." Yeah. She just there once since she just heard there was a lot of arrogance. Yeah. There all there is a lot of look at me, look at me. Yeah. yeah. In that. And, um, and I, you know, and I, so I'm glad, I'm glad to be where I am and not back there. Yeah. I was kind of squealy too. (laughs) Tim Keller. Yeah. And I I think, you know, he's a great apologist Mm -hmm. and I know he's got my ear, but he's got the ear of everybody. Yeah. And I love, and I love, that's, and I love that. Yeah. I love to hear a sense of uh, apologetics in yeah. the scripture. And, and people listen to him. Yeah. Secular people listen to him. Yeah. And so, he, you know, you know, yeah. he'll get invited to do debates, and I'm like not worried that he's going to embarrass, you know, evangelicals. No. You know, and so it's, 
He's an easily respected no. individual, and I, you know, I appreciated his ministry. I, you know, the bottom line is, I, I love, I love good communication, but I need you to be theologically grounded. Right. And and he, he is. I mean, yeah, oh, I mean, for sure. No question. I have a theory. Yeah. I have a theory that he's a closet charismatic. It's easy to be one. It is easy to be one. But, you know, if you even listen to this message on being born again and, and, and the spirit and that tension between mind and, mm-hmm. you know, intellect and heart, mm-hmm. like, like the, I mean, clearly he has a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I bet you he does this stuff too. He just, you know, we probably can't do the stuff and without uh, his denomination looking at him sideways. I don't know, but I got a feeling that, you know, he prays for the sick and sees them healed. And, oh, I I, you know. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm very comfortable. Uh, I'm very comfortable in a, um, in a liturgical church. Super comfortable. I'm very yeah. comfortable in a Lutheran church. Yeah. Very comfortable in a Presbyterian yeah. church. And uh, Anglican. Yeah. Just, I, I, I love liturgy. Yeah, I think there is something I didn't necessarily get before of seeing the value of liturgical church. Like, I, I was attracted to it because it was new to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? They actually follow? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's order to this? You know, mm-hmm. I like, so I was attracted to it. I can't do it because my mind's all over the place anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, it wouldn't be real. Yeah, and it wouldn't be real for right. me if I did. Right. But just like you know, I do you know marriage counseling, and I give them an assessment, uh-huh. and it part of the assessment is how do you relate to God? Mm-hmm. You know, some people they connect to God in nature. Some people are connecting to God in small groups. Some people mm-hmm. are connecting to God by studying. That's Mako, by the way. Mako's a big fat nerd. Oh, actually, Mako's a big nerd. Like she'll read the Bible and start crying and stuff, or she'll mm-hmm. read, you know, commentary and mm-hmm. have an experience with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Like, okay, so people connect like that, and then I discovered that people are can also connect to God through order and symbolism, mm-hmm. and it's like that is this. It's like well, no one. That's yeah, you, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like wow. No wonder you're frustrated in my church because I'm not. You know we're not doing that, and so I, I I love I love it when people put their feet in two different traditions. <laughs> I have a gal I've already talked about her. Yeah, she she, she you have a Catholic. I'm a Catholic, and she comes here. Yeah. So I I I I I, I love it, and I yeah. um I remember walking. Um, Sue and I were um were in England, and we were in Exeter. England, and um, and we were touring around the little town. Of course, the the Anglican chapels right in the middle of these old towns, and we went to visit inside. Um, Sue went to the gift shop to look at it, and I walked around, and I walked to where the choir was practicing, and I was in this beautiful place, and the choir was practicing. Holy Spirit landed yeah. on me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, isn't that strange? I mean, it's not strange, 
but yeah, he's God can come anywhere he wants to. Yeah, that's true. And I think I I was probably confused, and I think a lot of us legalistic charismatics get confused with that too, because mm-hmm. we think it's all our, we're, we have you know we're the ones that have the direct connection to God, right? Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're the only ones that that have enough faith to play. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to my experience in the Presbyterian, you know, visiting my friend's Presbyterian church and feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's because, you know, maybe I've been in other churches where you just feel death. And you just think that that's, well, that's just what they, you know. But you, you, you I, I remember being in certain cathedrals in France. I'm like, what? Where'd this come from? And the Holy Spirit coming. Yeah, yeah. And... And I think we make the mistake is we have to do something to make the Holy Spirit come. Right. And I didn't do anything. Yeah. But walk into that place. I. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll probably have to talk about that some more. Yeah. Because you know, I think, you know, both of our hearts' desire is to be around. Just I just want to be around Jesus. Yeah, I want to be in the room. I, w- I mean, yeah. I want to be in the room. Yeah. And that's, and, uh, and, you know, so. All right, who's your next one? Well, my next one is literally a gentleman that has um, influenced a couple generations. And, um, and, and I honestly can say this, he's, he's the most important human influence upon my life in preaching as a pastor and as a man. And um, that is my father, Lowell Fairley. And he, first of all, he, there was, I've never met anybody who loved the church and saw the importance of the church more than him. Mm. He absolutely loved serving the church. He he preached in the power of Christ for the church. He left pastoral ministry because, um, and which was hard because he loved pastoral ministry and he loved being a pastor and he loved the church. Is that it? But he loved the church so much that he he left pastoral ministry to become um, this region's um, executive minister of the American Baptist wow. churches. And when you to, say this region, how far? Um, American Baptist Churches of the Pacific Southwest. Wow! So all the way from up to... Arizona to Hawaii. Oh my And goodness. to um, like, like beyond Bakersfield. So it was a big area. Yeah. And um, and he loved the church, and that conveyed. And what I, what I saw him do, is nobody took Sunday morning. Um, preach Sunday morning preaching more serious than he did. Mm. Everything he did um, for that sermon was intentional. And we talk about intentionality. Yeah. Wasn't lost on him. The, um, he was a meticulous studier. He picked up everything. It was from the titles he even chose. And uh, lots of times when you have a have a title of a message, it's a, it's a throwaway. Nobody yeah, yeah, cares. Yeah. Right, right, right. Nobody cares. Man, he would he he was so 
He was so meticulous about every... He put together sermons like a director would put together a movie Mm. where everything was important and intentional. And, And so he would come up with titles like that you will remember for the rest of your life, because mm. I did. He would come up with titles like The Amazing Alabaster Box, uh, Gift in a Brown Paper Bag, uh, um, Touch of the Master's Hand, He Was Older Than His Mother, uh, Sparkler or a Star. These are his titles. Those are amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, my favorite sermon is The Amazing Alabaster Box. Now, it's a sermon that he was preaching when he was doing in the in around in his time, you know, every year you had a you had a stewardship emphasis. Right, right. Well, this was a this was a stewardship emphasis, but it didn't feel like that. Mm. And his point was he talked about the value of the alabaster box and what was and what an extravagant gift that was. And and you just break your box mm. because she loved Jesus. The oil's in it, and that, yeah. And and so in that particular sermon, uh. this is he, I, I got it when I was in college, and I was came at a certain time when I was just super homesick, and so I heard him preach that sermon. And so he is talking about living our life extravagantly. Not wastefully. Yeah. And what does that look like? And he says we can live defensively, and he we're learned to taught defensive. We can learn to do this, but when you begin to break out of that defensive mode and begin to give out a sense of love, and you break this, you begin to open up, and you're open to criticism you're open to things but the more you open up in love right. the more you you receive take on that position yeah. that Jesus yeah. did yeah. when he broke up when he broke his box on Calvary mm. yeah and poured his blood out for us mm. well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gone and then he ended his sermon he says I remember a, a, mo- a time for him and he does he never talked necessarily about his childhood but he he said, I remember a time for me what this was like. For some reason, when I was when I was in elementary school, he said, I got a dollar. And we were we were very poor, and I don't know how I got this dollar, but I got a dollar. And he said, what you do when you get a dollar in those days is you turn it into, you cha- exchange it for a silver dollar. Yeah. So I got a silver dollar and put it in a neckerchief, and I waited, and I waited. <laughs> and he said, and then they... We, I don't have any clips of him, but I am told I sound just like him. Uh, People who have heard my dad speak and yeah. me speak said, oh, you sound just like Lil Fairley. That's So great. you're getting dad. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I waited and I waited. And then they came. He says, in those days, you didn't go to a florist to get flowers. You went to the grocery store. And I knew they came, and I put on my skates that clipped your shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I put on my skates. I took the bandana 
that had the dollar in it. Skated to the store, and there they were in tears. Easter lilies. Hmm. I picked out two. They were exactly one dollar. And I skated home. And praying the whole time that I did not <laughs> spill and fall. And I went into our yard, opened the gate, went up to a yard, went up to our for- front porch, skates and everything, went into the house with my skates on. And I went to my mother, and I broke open my box. Mm. And I said, these are for you. Wow. And then he said this, and he says, that was a super moment for me mm. because I didn't know if there was food in the house. Oh, wow. And this extravagant act. And to be able to be into that because it's an act of love and commitment. And his, they, they were all like that. They all had this great, this great teaching of you know, the, the gift in a brown paper bag is from Second Corinthians. Um, for we have this gift in earthen vessels. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's comparing the earthen vessels to something very simple like a brown paper bag. Got it. That's and pretty brilliant. Pr- <laughs> the, the use of illustration oh, metaphor. Oh, he and, and he was a master at it. Yeah. I mean, we would watch... We would watch movies. The fun thing is to watch movies with him. And then he would say, oh, and he'd do it just like that. He would say, oh, that's great. And he'd look at me and said, that dog will hunt. And I know exactly uh, what he meant by that. So that's he's co- always collecting. Collecting it. Yeah. He's always, he doesn't know, but he's, he's going to collect it. And, and he's read quotes from... Um, He's read, read quotes from Mr. Roberts yeah. um, and books and and things, and he and he has, you know, it. Sh- sh- this is how my dad, this is my dad's sermon notes. Most of us, you know, write them now on computers right, and right. stuff. He didn't. This is an example of my dad's sermon notes. So, that is a gift in a brown paper bag. Oh wow! So no, 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 it's not. It's um, it's um, the amazing alabaster box. So he's typing them out, and then he's, he's typing them the out. Columns, he's and he's and he's ideas. piecing them together yeah. because it's a puzzle to him. He's yeah. he has the pieces, but he's real meticulous. And and I guarantee you, what he see, there are some things that are written down, and these are th- he when he prepares his sermon, he's working his sermon clear up to the moment he until preaches he preaches it. it. Yeah, for sure. And and I've I've never. Heard anyone like him? Mm. Um, my brother and I come close, but it, it's and I think the problem is is I and I think with me, I gave up trying to be like him. Sure, and then I found your like, I found my own voice. Yeah, and that's I think that that is the art to preaching, right? That's the art to preaching, defining your own voice, finding exactly what you're comfortable with. Yes. But at the same time, submitting to the authority okay. of the Lord. I'm I'm and, going to find a way because I still have many of his sermons. I'm going to find yeah. a way to put them, make them available digitally for people like on Spotify or something like that. I don't know how to do it, but yeah. and was he also highly 
um, high application. They like give you an application. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And this, and this, in relationship to um, to stewardship, is mm. how that applied. Yeah, and things like that. But it was you. It was like him climbing a summit. Yeah, and and standing on that summit and seeing something and say, oh, you got to come see this yeah. with me. You know, I really love that you picked your dad. I would love to hear one of his sermons. You'll get some. I'll and get to you. thank you. And you'll, you'll go. I go, oh, my gosh. Preaching. So, okay, so this is, how many other preachers have we not heard of Or, exactly. or that are alive today that, you know, they're not the pastor rock star. Like, how many are there that are out there that are that got something to say? Mm-hmm. And that are in tiny little churches. Yeah, yeah. And are are under the radar. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, you could say, well, there is a platform on the internet, but. Man, that's that's just as competitive as anything else. I mean, everybody's watching. You know, they're watching superstars and they got lasers and stuff. But, Absolutely. But I I think. Well, I think this is probably a rare breed. I don't know if there's any many. I don't know if there's many preachers that are doing this type of work these days. Well, the the unfortunate thing is, is uh, I I told my dad over and over again. I said, Dad, you got to write a book. Oh, you never did, huh? You got to, you got to write a book. You are. I've never seen anybody more in love with the church than you. You love the church. And you are. He, he he's the best. He's the best at being a pastor that I ever saw. Huh. I mean, he was. I mean, he was the full. All right. He had it all. And that. Is why you are a pastor. Yeah. I mean, not just because he's modeled, but because you didn't see the hypocrisy. Because mm-hmm. your father was the same in the pulpit that he was at home. Right. Yeah. And that's why guys like us go into ministry. Mm-hmm. We, we've seen it not just modeled, but we've seen the value of the yes. love of the church. Yes. And he, mm. so, um, I, I, I bless. I bless. My dad one time said, one time said is said well, you need we need to remember that we're the God's the audience. Yeah. And yeah. and so I hope that those pastors who are off in the corner somewhere yeah. will understand that God is God is ministering to them and saying, well yeah. done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I, that also applies to worship leaders, too. Absolutely. Because there's some amazing, gifted worship leaders, and they're playing for 10 people. And and they don't care. And they don't care. And that's it just goes back to the, the God's the audience. And they get it. They know that, mm-hmm. the, you know, the people, the people are not, there to be entertained. We're, mm-hmm. we're here to entertain the Lord. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to minister to Him. And yeah. So yeah. All right. I have one more. All uh, right. 
and it's a gal. I got a, I got a woman in here. Love so. it. I was, I was, I, you know, I was, I was thinking to myself, you know, how you, you probably need to have some women. But the, the, the thing is, is I grew up, and I was developed in a patri- very patriarchal yeah. society, and so mm-hmm. there, there just wasn't women coming. Now there would be if right. I, that that was a little bit different for me in, um, in charismatic in, yeah charismatic Pentecostal upbringing. It was never a part of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my grandfather had women. My grandfather had uh, nuns preaching his church. Praise Jesus. You know, if they were if they were spirit filled, he'd put them in the pulpit. And there was that just wasn't. And so it just it was. So when I went to college, and I I kind of like. Because then the woman's movement was kicking up, and people were, you know, angry that that women weren't. I was like, really? Like we took care of this like a hundred years ago, <laughs> so, you know. So it was it was kind of like a like oh wow I didn't realize this was an issue. Yeah. And uh, I'm not saying that it's not an issue in Pentecostal charismatic stuff because it, we I mean it's an issue in ba- it was an issue in Baptist. It? You know, and, and it there there is a tendency even in my tradition that defaults to a good old boys club every once in a while if we're not mindful and intentional yeah. we have to we have to be it's like okay we we gotta you know we gotta work on this but one of mine is is from the holiness movement my last one the gal and it's not i feel irreverent calling her a gal this woman of god mm-hmm. uh catherine coleman if you're familiar with catherine coleman you I are i know catherine coleman all right good oh my mom yeah, yeah. loved catherine coleman yeah we, I went to a Catherine Kuhlman crusade. You the, did, so you it, probably have more to say than I do. Uh, no, probably not. But I, uh, but at the Shrine Auditorium. You did. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't get. My to dad say took that. us. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, really? Kath, yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. My my mom would. Uh, my mom loved Catherine Kuhlman. Let's go ahead and run the clip. Yeah, let's the, do that. The very presence of the Holy Spirit is very marvelous in this place. And I still believe it, and I believe it with every atom of my being that we're so near the end of this dispensation. I believe it. That we're now seeing everything that happened in the early days of Pentecost, everything, when it was a perfect church. These same things are now being restored. There's one word that's very outmoded, and that word is revival. When a preacher stands in his pulpit and is still talking about a revival, he's missed the whole thing. We're not living in an hour of great revival. We're living in a day of great restoration, glorious restoration. We're living now in the closing moments of the day of Pentecost, and the day of Pentecost comes to an end when the Holy Spirit leaves. And before we have the great catching up, before we have the last day of Pentecost, the last hour of Pentecost, I believe with every atom of my being that I shall live to see a miracle service when every wheel
wheelchair is emptied and every person in that place will be healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe that. There were services in the early church, read the word, when the word of God says, and they were all healed. I never walk out on a stage anymore, never, but what I wonder is this that day. Just like the conviction mm-hmm. in her voice. Mm-hmm. And she was strange, right? I mean, oh. she was so strange. Oh. But that's, this is who she is. Oh, she, she was, was being herself. She was, she was, she was charismatic, strange before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, before TBN, before right. anybody. Yeah, and there's you know those dresses, and she would just kind of float little around. thing. Yeah, flitter around all over the stage. I think why I like her is that she reminds me so much of my grandmother. Yeah, and just even you know the intensity of the faith, and that's the other thing. Like her faith is just like. You know, every atom in my being believes. I'm like, that's that talk about some illustration. I, I, I think it's absolutely. You know, it's really interesting. My last one, my dad, yeah, and yours, yeah, they have a connection because we went to the Shrine Auditorium. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so, so we cool. were up in the balcony. My mom and my sister and me and and my brother and we were all up there. I was just I was a little guy. Yeah, and she he invited all the pastors. To come down onto the stage, and so every pastor that was there, and they all lined up, and so she started on, on the stage right side, yeah, <laughs> and started, and people were dropping, pastors were yeah. dropping, getting slain in the spirit, wow, and so she comes, and I'm watching, watching yeah, yeah. my dad. How old were you? Uh, I was elementary school, okay. eight, seven, yeah. six. Something like that, and and I was watching, and I said, "What's gonna happen to Dad? They're all dropping." And I said, "Mom, what's going on? Are they okay? They're fine. They're fine. Don't worry." So she she comes to the guy next to my dad, drops him, went, whew, yeah, and moves on, and then to my dad, whew, my dad didn't drop, yeah, <laughs> and went on the next guy, dropped him. She looks over and went. Dad Nothing. never dropped. Nothing, huh? <laughs> no. Yeah. And, you know, uh, but... Uh, Did they ever talk about it? My dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said he said it was it was interesting to him. But see, um, there are things in the... Char- you talk about... You talk about char- the, the movement of the Holy, Holy Spirit's movement. And you you can go back a couple generations in seeing that and talk about it, and you know the history, you know the roots, you've been in that forest, yeah. You know where all the t- streams are in that. Um, we had we had no awareness mm. of it beyond what we've seen projected to us, right? And and so we stayed away from it, and. And in fact, the American Pacific Southwest had only one, had one church. This first Baptist church was Chula Vista, that stepped out and said, "We are going to be a charismatic church." Wow! And it was strange and odd. Yeah. 
and they lived in they lived in households together yeah. but they were literally wanting to be the new testament church at that time wow and but that was strange and on to us and it wasn't until my brother was the first one who pioneered you know charismatic stuff into our family mm. where they be, became sensitive to it and my dad would have been a fantastic charismatic pastor. I mean, he, oh my God. Well, the fact that he went to a Coleman rally is just... Went to a Coleman. I think he went because my mom, my mom followed her all the time. She know. loved listening to her. Well, she's fascinating to listen to. She's so spellbounding, yes. captivating. Yes. You know, and if you watch her on YouTube, you know, entire stadiums, and you can hear a pin drop in there. Uh-huh. I mean, she's got them all. Mm-hmm. And, I am so glad you picked her. Oh, good. I really yeah. am. I and look at that face. I know. It's it really. It, I know. This there's a gal. I forgot her last name. Her first name is Catherine. She's a new gal. She's all over YouTube right now. She's doing deliverance ministry. Wow. And she could be the next Catherine Coleman. So that's, I mean, it's kind of creepy stuff. Like, yeah, like mass. We'll have to, we'll have to have a conversation about that one. Okay. But uh, I've just kind of recently been exposed. She's kind of blown up. She's coming out of nowhere. No one even knows where she come from, where she yeah. came from. And, uh, but kind of almost the same. I hate to say, I don't want to say she has Catherine Coleman's anointing, but she's, Radiant, uh-huh. you know, just kind of how Catherine is just radiant. Amy Simple McPherson, just radiant. Yes, there, and this is this is what is lovely, and um, is there. Well, what did Jesus say yeah. in seventeen, in in John seventeen twenty two, that um, I. I give them the glory that you have given me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's 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 all biblical. It's yeah. all there. It's all there from Jesus. Now, I would but I would say the glory the glory is um is no whether we see it or not or the radiance, but the glory is no less on Tim Keller than it is on Catherine right. Coleman. And I think that that's a very important yeah. distinction to make. Uh-huh. That he is just as gifted and anointed as she is. Yes. And everybody we mentioned today. Yeah. And 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 they're they're different vessels. Yeah. And wine wine comes in right. different vessels and shapes and sizes. Yeah. And it's it's still it's still pouring out the life giving elixir of, of the gospel. Yeah, it does a huge disservice to the gospel whenever we say uh, this denomination is doing it right, everybody else is doing it wrong, or it's horrible. Or even in the context of church, where it gets communicated that somebody is more spiritually superior than somebody else. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, you just you you just hand out bulletins. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I teach Sunday school. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that. Um, 
it's really disappointing when you hear that. Uh-huh. And I'm on the tech team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen. Have you really? I'm I'm on well, the tech team. I, I, and I've and I've heard others say, Oh, you're just on the, I'm in ministry. What do you do? I, well, I make sure microphones are on. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so it's um condescending. It's a condescending. It is condescending. It's a condescending spirit that um and I, it's I think it's human nature. I don't want to say it's just yeah. the American church because you see it all over the world where there's, you know, um I'm in this stream and therefore I have a closer connection to God. I don't know. It's just it as John Wimber would say, everybody gets to play. Every, <laughs> everybody gets to do the stuff. Exactly. And whatever, whatever stuff you know is exciting for yeah. you, do that yeah. stuff. And Every time I I climb a summit in the Lord, yeah, I spend a few minutes on that summit, and then I look into the valley below me. And beyond the valley, another summit. Yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis describes that perfectly in the last chapter of the last battle of, in the last book of the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay. Beautifully. Yeah. He calls the... Have you read those books? Yeah, of course. Belonged. That chapter, further up and further in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did a sermon on that. Further up and further, further up in. Further up and further in. I think I should it's great, call it that. I should probably... That dog, uh, maybe uh, that dog, dog, dog will hunt. That so dog I should hunt. resurrect that one. <laughs> pre- preach twice. Yeah, it's no, it's a, it's a, it's a great, beautiful concept that you, you've never arrived with Jesus, yeah. but you never, you never go back to the same place. Yeah, and I, and I love that. I think uh, you've never arrived at Jesus is something that, like in humility, we got to be transparent that we're not going to get it. We're not we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but once we think that we've figured him out, I have more to show you. Yeah. And it's just you know, it is just And, and thank God for for these people who see we've represented um a lot of different Well, Catherine Kuhlman, what, 60s, 50s, 60s? Uh, 50s, yeah. 50s. Yeah. And 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 Ern Baxter in the 50s. Um we've we've represented generations. Yeah. yeah. Of pastors. I thought you were going to do somebody that was dead dead. That was what? Dead dead like gone forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not Well, gone, my dad's dead. Well, not not, no, I mean, I thought you were going to do like a, I don't know, like a Whitfield or a, Harry Emerson yeah, Fosdale. Yeah, I thought you were going to go that far back. No, okay. I, no I, I, um, you know, I think it's important. I, the, I think if I were going to go a dead dad guy, if I picked a dead dad guy, yeah. I would have picked Peter Marshall. Who's Peter Marshall? Peter Marshall is Presbyterian. Okay. Pastor, came out of Scotland. He is known for, he was known during the 40s. Um, as the um, as the chap- chaplain of the Senate, oh, and he was he was a pastor of the Trinity Church, cool, in Washington, and and a great uh, his book his wife he he died in 
um, in the late 40s, shortly after the war. And his, his wife, Catherine, wrote a book called um, A Man Called Peter and about his life, and there are some of his sermons. And there's a, there's a really pretty decent movie oh. in the 50s um, starring, starring Richard Todd called, called A Man Called, called Peter. And his sermons, he preaches his sermons word for word. Really, and 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 they're, yeah, that's, they're awesome. That's a, that's a discipline that we don't really do much these yeah, days. We don't write manuscripts. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but I would pick him. Yeah, a man called Peter, Peter Peter Marshall. So, world the world is a strange place these days. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? whether it's revival or renewal, as Coleman would say. You think we're in that right now? Yes, I do, and I absolutely do. Yeah. Um, that we are in renewal, and we are at a place where um, we've, got to, we've got to drop, we've got to put down our toys in the sandbox mm-hmm. and listen and get out of the sandbox. Yeah. And and go to that place where where God is leading us. We I have seen I have seen too many and heard too many sermons, thank you, the internet, yeah, and YouTube and all that where it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. Yeah. I am we are if anybody hears this I can tell you, even as a pastor, we are hungry for inspiration that comes from God. Yeah, yeah. We're hungry for it. We're hungry to be inspired. And we'll simply, and so many people say, we'll laugh it off, say, well, that's just tickling ears. You need, you need, to, do the, you need to do the hard nuts and bolts stuff of that. That beautiful clip that you said talked about the pinnacle. These were people who were inspired. Right. Inspire me. Yeah, and I think that is... Yeah, I just don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it either. I put, put wind underneath my wings. Yeah. One of the things that... that Earn Baxter does in this sermon. Mm. Why not be an eagle? He says eagles have two wings. They're a balanced bird. Prayer <laughs> and praise. That's good. And he sing, and then he says, rise and soar into the sunlight rays using both your wings of prayer and praise. Mm. Fly like an eagle way up in the sky. Then you'll see how different life is when you fly. And that's what I want. That is beautiful. Blessings. Blessings. All right, till next time. Thanks for joining.